them whisper the truth that is his pain. He caused the whole world's breaking, that tortured soul I met in a prison of his making. The man who can't forget. Here we are, folks. Episode three of this marathon. First podcast, first uh, first series of a cop twat. <laughs> Certainly, it's got a little bit of an amuse bouche about it. The it cop twat. Hashtag a cop twat. The couple of pricks talk wheel of time. I'm Woody. I'm joined here with Nate. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. This has been a, an epic wait, I think, since the this show was first announced and, and to when we actually get around to do these things. It's been a day, can I just say, because I did watch them again today. I might have skipped through bits, but I kind of watched them again today. I haven't watched them yesterday. So I'm a bit wheeler timed out, mm-hmm. so to speak. I'm out of time. You know, look, we, this is the sacrifice we make to bring quality, quality content to the, to the masses to the masses but i think if if we should we should just jump straight into episode three yeah we've been talking we've certainly talked episode one and two and traditionally episode three would be next it does it does because i thought it would be very strange to jump straight to episode four but strange shit has happened in the in the the vagaries of the wheel of time so episode three called place of safety we've had our previously on which mm. ends with big smash cut that Nanive is still alive yeah sword to land's throat and boom, straight into a flashback. Boom. And so this was really good. I won't lie to you. I really like this because as you know, and listeners of the podcast will know, I have an issue with certain types of combat scenes where you have something grotesquely overpowered and huge and strong and a wee slip of a girl starts slapping them around and beats them up without any type of magical assistance. So you can handle Buffy because Buffy is the slayer and that's what makes that cool. But other than that, usually this sort of drifts into, oh, come the fuck on. I really like this because she uses her wits. She uses her cunning to kill the Trolloc. And I really like that. That was none of this Iron Woman Hear Me Roar. This was really full-on smart, clever action on her part to do this. And it made me believe her as a character, made me believe in her strength. Because I went, you know, she didn't say, you know, I am no man and stabbed the Nazgul through the forehead, which I know happens in the book, but it's a much better speech in the book. Do so you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, it was, she was very clever in the use of her sacred pools, which are they now fucked because there's a dead trollic in them? You mentioned well, before, there's no sacred they pools. They don't exist in the book, so fuck those. Yeah. There was one shot where she, and I've got it written here, she goes full Schwarzenegger in Predator. She just comes up out of the water. Yeah, this this scene was fucking cool. Completely, I completely really believable. dug it. It's one hundred percent fucking predator. Yeah, all she needed to say is, "If it bleeds, we can kill it," and I would have yeah. been fucking done. Yeah, I I loved it because you could see she was frightened. She splashes down in the pool. She realizes that she can't keep breathing as loud as she can, so she controls herself. She gets, and then whew, that was great. It was good. And then the troll wasn't stupid. Yeah. It sort of looked around. I can't see you anywhere. You must be under the water. Stab, stab, stab with the spear. So she's obviously moved. To, I I just bought it all. And usually I don't. Usually I'm not. It's not that I'm a horrible sexist pig. That's just an added bonus. But it's, I just, I, it just fucks with me when I see that sort of stuff. Yeah. Because suspension of disbelief can only go so far. Exactly. Especially when earlier in the piece, we saw an extremely well-trained warrior 
albeit a little bit old, held his really own for a little fucking while. struggle. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was fucked up against the wall with it. Like it was it was not. And even old blacksmith boy, he, uh, I mean, he took the woman out pretty, his wife out pretty easy, so soft. <laughs> Certainly, she's not as hard as they made out. Anyway, maybe she should have worked the forge a little harder. <laughs> so, is that wrong? Not enough to cut out. <laughs> so then we cut back now. She's got drop on land, which I couldn't help but hear Liv Tyler's voice. What's this? An elf surprises by a ranger caught by surprise or something. But I went, oh, I can live with it. I'm okay. But she just has her full apothecary kit with her, like right there and then, you know, with the little jars and stuff. I just thought that was a bit... I didn't bump on that. It didn't occur to me that she wouldn't have it unless she went home to get it. Yeah, and it's it's highly possible, but I I just thought it was a bit odd. And then she says she's been tracking him, which is cool. So that's a that's an interesting dynamic that I wouldn't have thought that they, he would have been able to be tracked. Well, um, he's surprised by that as well. Hmm. It's got to be something else to that. I wonder. I don't know. I'm guessing. That's a bit in yellow. But I, I hope it isn't just left to the side that she tracked them. I hope that there was some sort of... the witch, Yeah, she listened to the wind at least and it told her where they were or something. But, yeah. but, but that brings us... We pretty much roll straight into... I mean, she obviously tries to help Moraine. But then we stroll into Perrin's Nightmare, which... If I may take a step please back... Do. What I really enjoyed about this whole scene is just how little of a threat he considered her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you have your sword against my throat. And? Yeah. And then just, you know, oh, by the way, clunk, fucking cold cocks or knocks just her out. Disarmed her and that was it. And then she wakes up tied to a tree. Yeah. There's a certain ignanimity, ignobleness, I guess, being tied to a tree, I think. I don't know why. There's just something about it. Whenever I see people tied to a tree... I'm usually laughing my ass, ass off at them because I feel like their legs start flaying or something like this. I don't know. It's just I always get tickled by it. I mean, tied to a chair, all that sort of stuff I can handle. But just tying someone to a, a tree, tree. is like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Righto, that's a bit rough. But yeah, so Perrin's nightmare was a bit bit full on. And no suggestion, though, that anybody else had a nightmare. So Yeah, just Perrin with a wolf eating his dead wife's guts. Yeah, so I then thought, Jesus, I hope she is pregnant. <laughs> like, I, I really backtracked because I thought, oh, there's some Game of Thrones shit there yeah. if that's going to... So, I don't know. But that was pretty That was pretty full on. So, something's clearly happening with the dreams. Yeah. I'll just assume, just quietly wait until that, that happens, that, that finds its way out. It's all very... It's all very... What shall we say? I'm curious to see how it develops. So these are the these are the little plot points that I'm I'm starting to get. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That that could be interesting. So we get Matt and Rand climbing yep. through the mountains, three or four days out of Shadow Logoth, mm. but having it in the background, but time, you know, whatever. And then Egwene and Perrin walking through a, a fairly heavy windstorm, being pursued again by wolves. Yeah, so it's now demonstrably clear, at least 100 miles apart. There's, there's there's considerable distance between them, and there's something going on. That windstorm sort of seemed a bit, I don't know, and the wolves definitely were hurting them. There's, there's something going on, and I'm, I'm sort of not, I don't mind that little drip feeding of exposition there. I think that's some, that's pretty cool. But for me, it was the standout with Rand and Matt now, 
and they go to that mining town yep. where, where you do see a lot of people in the background doing busy work. Yeah, It feels like, the again, my, my penchant for looking at background actors <laughs> going, you guys aren't mining. <laughs> Somebody just told you to pick that up and put that in that wheelbarrow and that was that. We're just carrying these crates full of chickens. <laughs> background action and just, mm, shit, what do I do? Oh, I don't know, do something. We go into the tavern and we meet the Glee Man. Yes. It was very cool. Yes. Now, a point of difference from the book, in, in the book, we meet Tom back at Eamon's Field right at the beginning. Ah, He's a glee man fuck. that they've hired for the festival. Ah, oh, that's interesting. That that takes him completely out of... Yeah. And maybe that's one less character they need to deal with in a pilot. Maybe, you know, it, yeah. It's probably not crucial that he's there then. But as far as a song in the middle of a show goes, it was compelling. He's that's dark he's a, as fuck. He's a watchable motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, and it was real, not quite Tom Waitsy tone to his voice, but close and cheery fucking song. Like, oh, <laughs> so I've obviously got in in yellow. I wrote this a little note to myself. Um, there's more of him. Well, we kind of towards the end of the show figure out that there is going to be more of yeah. him. But I liked him. I liked him a lot. And I think this is where you, I bump on great characters' introductions that tells you everything you need to know about the character. Yeah. And his first interaction, the song, the commanding presence he had in the room. And just the attitude. The attitude. Then he robs him and then he says, no, this is a fucking valuable life lesson. Yeah. And everybody's like immediately got his back. Yeah. You went, oh, okay, I now know everything I need to know about this character in the context of this story. Yeah. He is 100% a fan favorite. Oh, right. Okay. He's a little bit different in this, yep. but literarily, absolutely a fan favorite. When I had cast this initially in my head, mm -hmm. he's written as a little bit older. To me, he was always young Patrick Stewart. Oh, or young, okay. younger Patrick Stewart. But yeah. I am 100% on board with the dude that they've got because he's, he's fucking cool. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a real watchable quality. Mm. He's got, and that's good. There's something about, and again, that's just what separates people from, from Piss Week actors, I guess. <laughs> you know, that's what it really does. There's a, there's a charisma and a watchability about him that, yeah. that suits, obviously, the character that he's playing. Because that's, you know, he's a, he's a glee man. He's an entertainer. So that's there. Really good introduction. And I really enjoyed what they're doing with him so far. Mm. As they come into town, just a, a minor step back. Yes, we no, we, we notice a dude in a cage, just stuck full of arrows. Yep. Matt notices that he's got a gem or something on his belt, which is very much in keeping with the Matt that we know up to this point. But yeah, dead yeah, dude in sure. a cage, which is fun. Yeah, which we come back to a little bit later on. And I think I, I might have mentioned in probably episode one, my two favorite funniest points in the show with two things that Matt said. I missed it when we were talking about it. In one of the cutaways where they're walking through the mountains, they're mm -hmm. saying, oh, we've got to go to Tarvalon, which is city of Aesodai. And Rand mm -hmm. says, something like, all roads lead to Tarvalon. You know, that's not how roads work. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And the other one was, and she does throw fireballs, so let's keep on her good side. I thought it was a Yeah, that was quite lie. good. Yeah. And again, to touch on something that you mentioned in, in episode two, we do see Matt start to lose some of his, his fun. Mm. Well, I've, I've got a little note here that says, Matt is acting like a knobhead. Horcrux says what? That's my, little <laughs> note. That's my little note there. There's nothing I hate more when people take something that I love and be reductionist about it. Yes. So I love doing that to this. <laughs> Not just because I'm an arsehole, but because I hate it, but I still do it myself. So it's, a, it's the dichotomy that is me. I'm an onion. <laughs> and we meet the innkeeper, whose name apparently is Dana. Ah, so I was wondering here, 
thought she was quite charming. I thought she was very competent. I thought she was very capable. And since I haven't mentioned it in a while, and I think I get a dollar every time I do from Parlor, there was a little bit of world breaking here for me, just because she, for, out of nowhere, had this ring through her nose. And something like that to me suggests would be like a cultural thing. And she's but the she only said one there she's with one. born here, lived here. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I can see that. So, so that was the, but you know what? I'm okay with it. I mention them solely because these are the things that happen sometimes that pull me. And I mean, it happens in a book too. If I'm reading a book and they mention the characters holding something in their hand that I know three chapters back they lost, I'm instantly out of the book. So it's got nothing to do with anything. It's just a little bit of continuity. A little and bit of just goes into the burning gets, pile. Oh, you know. for fuck's sake. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so obviously we get the, the, the sage words, prick. Rand calls Matt a prick. Mm-hmm. And we get a real reaction from that which I thought was throwback to episode one, which I didn't think was a terribly nice thing for his mum to say. Anyway. <laughs> and so then we switch over to Egrene and Perrin, and, and then we get the gyps, the sorry, the, the two Arthurmen. Yes, the, the Tinkers. <laughs> the Tinkers, the Tinkers and Teves. Yes. Now, see, here's where I'm going to shit all over everything I just said. I liked their world building here, right at this point in time. That challenge and answer yes. thing about the song was really good. And that there was a particular, you know, they weren't going to continue the discussion until such time as they had the proper answer. Mm. And then that guy steps forward and says, this is what you need to answer. Yeah. You know, they all kind of play along with the ritual a little bit, Yeah, but it's obviously important to them. And yes. I get that. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool world building. And I get this. And then some dude with dreadlocks walks past and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, but if they're travellers, I don't mind if they're travellers because then you can pick people up from here, there and everywhere. It yeah. just goes back to my first point. If someone says they're from Sweden, yeah. I have a pretty good idea in my head what they're going to look like. Yeah. And if suddenly they come out looking like fucking Lenny Henry and, and talking like they're from Jamaica, that's going to pull me out of the... I mean, they very well be from Sweden, but they weren't born there. That's what I'm getting at. So how do you feel about Russian submarine captains with a Scottish accent. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, I I went I remember that watching that as a kid. And I turned to my mum who was watching it, I said, He does he ever change his voice or anything? And, and, she's and just he, I, I hope and went, your mum just fucking no. backhanded you <laughs> the and said you should you put some fucking respect on his name, Matthew. <laughs> disrespect who the fuck you think you are and she heard she went no he's Sean Connery in everything that he does and I went oh okay <laughs> yeah it's a good point it's not the first time it happens but it does take you out of it yeah. I mean fucking Harrison Ford's god awful Russian accent in The Widowmaker yeah. and then Liam Neeson just steps up and starts speaking with his Irish brogue it's yeah. like you motherfuckers just not even try anytime Rust loved us on Maximus Dismus, Dismus Meridius mate you know, <laughs> it's just, it takes you out. These are the things that take me out. So they built me up. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what's this song thing? That's fucking bad. Oh, what a bad, oh, yeah, cool. I'm down with that. All right, yeah. And then, oh, yeah, the man, you know, the big fucking dreads come past. I'm like, oh, there we go. But they are gypsies. They are itinerant. They're not from any one place. So I think you need to let that one go. I'm going to let it go. I am going to let it go. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> about an hour and a half after we finish recording, you'll be like, no. I'll still be on about it. <laughs> And your wife will be, ah, just shut the fuck up. I'm trying to sleep. I've got work tomorrow. I don't care about the dreadlock guy. But Trini, you don't understand. It's world breaking. 
so then we're back to we're pretty much they eat which is nice that's yes then they get fed mm-hmm. everyone seems friendly genuinely friendly like i didn't get any sinister connotations out of them at all mm-hmm. and then but now all of a sudden we're back to uh the what's name? dana yeah and that you guys are into each other banter was fucking cringe mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie that was just cringe it was so and not only that his flat out refusal he said, no, we're not like that. And she's like, yeah, well, whatever you reckon. Like, it was actually having the opposite effect of what it was trying to achieve. I haven't read the source material, but I'm willing to bet cash money that that's not from the books, that they don't make out. That the like whole this. thing with her is done in a different way. Right. The things that happen, happen, yeah. but not with a barmaid in a mining town. So that's created right. for this. One thing I will say, my other favorite line. So the guys are going to go and work for their food. Like yeah. work, work for lodgings. And there's sort of a suggestion that maybe, you know, she's a bit keen. Rand gets the axe, says, oh, should we take turns? Well, if you think that's you're done right. for it. Oh, <laughs> that's right. fuck. I just, that, I, that's that just right. killed me. I that missed that. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. killed me. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> I remember it now you've mentioned it, but I didn't. Yeah, I was too busy fucking going off about the dreadlocks. <laughs> that was good. Because that was the prick moment. That was when he walks away and calls me a prick. And then, and there was a really good line, you know, a barmaid with a stubble on her face. And I, I blunted my razor shave in your wife's back, which I thought was a good little. Yep. As a former barman, it was always nice to have a few things, zingers up your sleeve to tell people. A little bit of off banter. Yes. But yeah, I'm afraid that when she's got him in the room and she's, oh, you know, a bit of slap and tickle and no one can hear you and all that. And I'm like, oh, oh, what are you doing? Like, what is, who talk? No one, really? No one talks like this. No, no one talks like this. And I just, anyway. Yeah, not like this. No, not like this. <laughs> not like this. It's just strange. My problem is, is I really don't like people who don't have ideas thinking they can improve on someone else's ideas. I think they could have... They're doing the same thing with the new Lord of the Rings series. They should just stop it, I think. But they're trying to add something that just seems... It just felt gross. And all I can think of, and, and I don't mean this in any other way, of if that had been reversed, that would have been... Even I would have been throwing something at the screen going, for fuck's sake, you know, like if that had been a male bartender suggesting that there were two girls, it was just gross. I didn't it was like just it. unnecessary. It didn't add yeah. add anything. And what would make it even worse is if it's, hey, let's put this in there to show that we're cool with gays. But it achieves the opposite. You're supposed to be able to say to somebody, oh, no, that's not how it is. Usually a normal, rational, free-thinking person would go, oh, sorry, you got the wrong idea. She doubles down. I'm oh, sure it's not. Yeah, whatever, you know, whatever you guys get up to, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the reason I'm harping on it is because I think this was a missed opportunity with her because when she does betray him, that felt like it was completely out of nowhere. And I think what would have been better is instead of using that time, she could have asked her, she might have suggested, oh, unless you guys prefer each other. And he says, no, no, no. She looks interested. They start flirting and drinking. Mm. And then she, I would have liked her to start saying a little bit more about the dark friend or the dark one or whatever. Yeah. Because that's a cool element to the story because I didn't expect it. And so it sort of came out of nowhere. Whereas I thought that if she had been a little more seductive in her way of trying to get him to stay where he was and maybe so even a little bit of doubt in his mind, maybe the dark side isn't the bad side. But meanwhile, she's just chased, she's locked him in there. She's now admitted that basically knew who he was and is betraying him. And now she's got him at sword point. That's, none of that's going to work. It just felt a little cookie cutter villain for me. It would have been, I think it would have been a little bit more interesting and a bit more of a setup if she'd sort of said, you know, well, 
when he talks about the dragon having broken the world or something, she says, well, what do you know about that? What do you, do you know what I mean? Like if she did tried it a bit that way, then her betrayal out of nowhere, which she says, I wasn't the braid. It was a little bit like, holy snap and duck shit. And I felt that both times when I watched it because I I looked for it again. I went, yeah, no, that's, I think that was just, just a little, a little mishandled. Yeah, it could have done a lot better because then she just gets fucking jacked by the Glee Man, which is great because now we see him again. Although before that, we have the scene where Matt goes to the dude in the cage. Yeah, he does. So yeah, do you want to talk us through that? Because that was really interesting. So we cut over to Matt, who's standing at the cage with the dead guy. And Tom, the Glee Man, comes up and said, hey, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, you know, we're just passing through. And I said, no, I don't mean here. What do you mean here? Yeah. And we get out of Matt that this guy's got gems. I'm going to... pick this guy's pockets mm. and what i really liked was tom was like well you know fuck we've all been desperate there's no real judgment yeah maybe a little bit of judgment but fuck son you got to do what you got to do yeah then turns his back and says let me know when you're done yeah which i thought was interesting so i'm asking a question that i actually don't want answered but i'm wondering if that is does that gem have anything like i said i don't want this answered but i'm wondering if that gem actually has some sort of significance whether he'll get caught out from that later but i did find what i wrote about it and that was the idea when he says, oh, well, you can tell he's an allele, anil, aiel, aiel, or something. That's one of the big pronunciation things that I have differently. Aiel yeah. is how they Aiel. pronounced it there. So I guess that's yeah. how it's going to be from then. And we don't know a lot about them at this stage. Yeah. But he said, you know, anyone who looks like that and you go, oh, okay. So they, they reference it in the show, but they're not showing it. That's there's a little bit of disconnect there, but he decidedly looked almost like a Bedouin the way he was wrapped yep. up. I thought so. I got I got a real impression that tracks with what they are. Yeah. Okay. And well, he points to the red the red hair, or he points to the hair and says that you know you don't have hair like that, or you don't have whatever like that mm. if you're not from here. So obviously, this guy arrives. He's not from around here. I don't know why they, apart from the fact that he's just not from around here, they killed him. So that's the only thing I got out of it. So unless yeah. there's a vibe somewhere else that maybe they were, there's a, they're an ancient enemy or something, or maybe they just hate people who don't look like them. I don't know. It was just weird. I can't really recall exactly why, although he does talk about you know the fact they just don't like people that don't look like them. Yeah, that's it. The Aiel, and it's going to be difficult for me to keep pronouncing mm. it that way because I've pronounced it a different way in my head for you know however many years reading the book. They're a whole other thing. For my money, probably one of the best creations in okay. the entire universe of the, yep. the time, not the whole universe because you know beer exists. But they're a really unique race. Snippets of them in the first couple of books, but we don't really don't see much of them until book three. Right. But there is some stuff in the trailer that makes me think that even in a flashback, we're probably going to see a little bit more of them to flesh them out. Right. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Because we have that cool moment. If you can pick his pockets, you can bury him. Yeah. Which I thought was a good character moment. Mm-hmm. Then we switch back to the city where we've got the run through the streets. We'll fight. Or he catches up with Matt and says, everything's not as it seems. Mm-hmm. And then, punk, yeah, knife in the, the throat. throat. Which was, I tell you, I watched that again. And they did the effects well, because you can actually see the knife just before it goes into the back of the throat. Oh, so no. it was really good. They didn't jam that. Of course, he, the Glee Man, just sort of seems to materialize from you know, convenience. But anyway, I liked him. So <laughs> there you go. Because I, like, yeah, yeah. I like the character. It's okay. Yeah. He can be Batman. But, of course, I've got a few things here. These ominous words. So she says, all five of you. To which he says five, because that's, you know, there's only four of them. Yep. And then 
we've got ominous words of east they just happen to be going east and east is where the white tower is and stuff you know east east is good mm -hmm. to which then we come down to the to Numon, if you will where we've got moraine lan and and nanu nanu traveling along and we, she says we've been traveling southwest for three hours really clear about where she was traveling mm -hmm. i don't know why we had to say that just to obviously let us know that we're not going east i don't know <laughs> to me that was they are. yeah we like we're not looking at a map no because tell you, you know. that's one thing that this show could use is the indiana jones here's a map here's some little dots showing where the mm. fuck we're going right <laughs> absolutely i mean even lord of the rings was smart about that you know the, through the prologue they had that and whatnot then we meet the woman from the very beginning the very first episode she's one of the red sisters mm -hmm. and she greets her and there's an ominous greeting so it, and now that i know that there are factions it would appear to me now that they are from conflicting factions yes that's okay and then she says we found a man calling himself the dragon reborn so now of course here's the fifth guy and it just seems a bit strange because even their internal marketing on amazon prime says well i'm just guessing he's the fifth guy to yeah. be clear i mean four plus one makes five it seems a bit shake my head sort of moment there but it says the lives of five young villagers change forever when a strange and powerful woman arrives claiming one of them is the child of an ancient prophecy so hang on a second <laughs> four five like it would have be ultimately very helpful if amazon didn't fuck up so badly in it although i will say and again i'm trying not to spoil things yeah, yeah, yeah the guy in the cage is not the five that the barmaid was talking about oh okay all right then well then you have to be your best say no more well they're talking about the five there are five people who left that village you've got the three boys mm. Egwene, and Nanine. oh oh i did not make that connection Oh, fucking spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that connection at all. Ah, oh, there you go. Ah, fuck a duck, eh? So this show, this brought me back from Into the Fold. Yep. This episode. Mm -hmm. Mostly due to the Glee Man. I mean, he has a name, but Glee Man's too cool. <laughs> so. now, something that I had to check, the dude in the cage, not the dude from the open. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think he was from the open because he was dressed differently. But I was just saying that was the last time we saw her. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, because he was the dude from the the open was um, he had a sandy blonde beard. This guy had a black beard. Yeah. So, all in all, it was pretty clear that it needed to be a three-hour opener because mm -hmm. I think you couldn't possibly have all of the things this. that went on without yeah. the the interconnecting tissue. Yeah, and I think you kind of needed to see it all as one, mm -hmm. or at least yeah, at least. I don't know. I mean, they did it with Ted Lasso as well. They dropped two episodes, and then season three, they, they thought they were dropping, going to throw three episodes or something, or what? Season two, sorry. And you can tell if you when you you line them up, you watch the first three episodes of Ted Lasso, you go, oh, they're told just told a complete story there. I yeah, think they dropped it once, and they're telling a big yeah. arc. Gone are the days, sadly, of the two-hour movie-length pilot, mm. which is, I guess, kind of what they're trying to achieve by dropping multiple yeah. episodes at once. Yeah, or even take something like the Battlestar reboot, that yep. miniseries as a standalone pilot, perfect. It's exactly how, it, right. It, it tells it's a big thing. It's a it's a bit of a commitment, but a boom! It tells you everything you need to know yep. for then bang the series to go off and running. Well, yeah, it's a bit of a chore to get through once you've started watching the series for mm -hmm. sure. But yes. yeah, like at the time, it was this was amazing. Mm -hmm. My remaining thoughts, I guess, were I felt the costuming was a little higgledy piggledy in some places. Yeah. But here's the thing. I don't particularly like any of the characters. 
I haven't really got enough time to sit with them and get to know them and get to relate to any of them and like them. Except for the Glee Man, just because he's a fucking bad Except, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it, it then becomes... Well, he just becomes interesting by virtue of his mystery. He's the Boba Fett of the show. He's now become, hey, because of the way they introduced him, the guy they've got playing him, I'm instantly attracted to what's going on between Moraine and Lan. I don't care whether they're doinking or not, but their relationship is obviously something that would be interesting worth exploring. Yep. But if we've got the four slash five main protagonists, I don't know. I'm just not... I don't really buy Rand and Egwen at all as a couple. Yep. I just don't I don't really buy it. The guy is playing Perrin. He seems to have no facial expressions whatsoever. And I think this is his only own to be credit. So yeah. potentially that's that. Yeah. So that's that's my feel about it is I don't particularly think that they're terribly interesting at this point in time. Yeah. And I would like them to be more. All right. But the introduction of the Glee Man means importantly for our fans that there will be an episode four. Mm. Of this. We will be coming back in a week to discuss the fourth episode. Yes. Yes, we'll definitely be back next week to discuss the fourth. All right, so quick rating for this episode, Woody? Yeah, I look, with the final episode, I'm giving it six and a half out of ten. Mm-hmm. So it's bumped back up from a five. I'm back to being invested, and I think it's I think it's probably showing a lot of premise. I'm interested in how they're going to show three different storylines at once. So are they going to flip-flop around? Are they going to, are they going to Game of Thrones it where you only really... Have one episode committed yeah. to... That's that's how they're going to do it. However, they do it. I'm interested. I'm back in. Yeah. I'm glad that we had episode three. Yeah. Because <laughs> I might have been like, oh, fuck it up. But yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what happens with four, and let's hope that we get a little bit more, a little bit more time to sit with the characters and get to know them a bit more. And that does actually become a problem in some of the books. It gets to a point where there's so many different things going on, so many different characters on their own paths, mm. that you go through two books and it's like fuck, I haven't seen this guy for a while. Yeah. And you realise that he hasn't really been in the last two books because there's just been so much other shit going on, which just when you've got something as big and unwieldy as this, I guess can happen. But yeah, look, it's it's unfortunate. There is a rumour, as I understand it, which you may confirm and or deny, is that there's one book where literally nothing advances the plot whatsoever. It's just, it feels like a whole, like an entire book of exposition. Potentially. Yeah. Book six is fucking struggle down. Yeah. It just gets weighed down and it's it's an effort. There are a couple of books where there's, you know, so little forward momentum because we have to look at twenty seven people taking two steps each. Yeah. So Yeah, you may very well be the, the originator of the hey, it's really good, but then you've got to struggle past this book, but once you get past it it picks up again. <laughs> Theory that I have. And I've read in forums where people have actually said, Look, it's a little bit confusing, but you could probably read books one through four, skip five, six, seven, and then pick it back up in eight and you'll be fine sort of thing. Here's the cliff notes of what happens in between. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, I thought the same thing with um, Song of Ice and Fire, especially when I read the fourth one, I think is A Feast for Crows. And it's it either takes part in the north or it takes part in the south. And then the next book takes place at the exact same time frame in the other area oh fuck me so you're thinking christ on a cracker like i get it i really get it but no it's too much it's too much yeah and you yeah could probably could have had an editor savage that but let's bring this puppy home i've enjoyed it it's good to be back in the saddle again it is in the socially distant and covid friendly nakatomi ballroom Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see where this show goes. I don't really have any predictions. I have thought I might. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a couple of yellows. You've got a couple of yellow yeah. sections. I will be keen to see how they progress, both from what the show does and how your yellow progresses into stuff. Sure. Well, I've, unlike the couple of pricks podcasts, I'll, probably, I'll keep these notes and I'll stir them up and so I can go back to them and refer to them as we go through. So at the end of the series, we'll just give a scorecard. You were right on this one. You were wrong on this one. <laughs> yeah, see how we go. This meant nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the... Yeah. That, that could be something because I might have been fixated on that jewel that he took off the allele, aerial. Oh, yeah. We're both going to fuck that up. Off the body. Yeah. <laughs> it may not mean anything, but it's like, damn it. It really does. You're too much of a Chekhov's gun, man. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. If you're not going to put a gem, yeah. don't put a gem in the first scene if it's not going to shoot in the fourth act. But other than that, it's been fun. So yeah. thanks, listeners. If you've, I don't know how you've decided to consume this and how we've put it out, but thanks for sticking with us. And it, I, I think in the main, the cobwebs weren't too hard to blow away. Look, I think we did all right. I think we did all right. Considering that it has literally been four years since we put out an episode. Yeah. I think we did okay. Yep. I think so too. Well, then that's enough patting ourselves on the back. We, we could still be found on Twitter. I'm ACOP Woody. I'm ACOP Nate. We still have the ACOP Facebook page. The cobwebs will have been blown off that because I can't imagine much has happened with that. To be honest, it used to just post death notices. <laughs> so it's quite morbid for a while. I get a few notifications every now and then that we've got new viewers. Ah. So I'll be trying to, to bring that up. And obviously, once these podcasts are released, we'll put the links up. I'll certainly be putting the link up with the Billy Zane Wheel of Time <laughs> pilot. I need to watch it. I haven't watched it. I need to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> but until next time, I've been Woody. I've been Nate. And we're a couple, couple of, of prints. prints.